Like if you have a Mookie Betts black versus 10 Mookie Betts base, I can almost guarantee in 20 years, the black is gonna be worth more. Thank you everyone for listening to Dean Corners today. Our interview today is with Scott Baldwin. He is a baseball collector, an avid baseball collector from the 2010s to 2018 specifically. Um, We're having him on here today to talk about that era compared to what we're seeing now in 2019 to 2020, in which it is a very, you know, very robust, very fast moving market uh, compared to previous years, not compared to basketball or like soccer. Those markets are insane. Baseball is a lot less slow, is a lot slower than that. But we're having them on to talk about this today's market compared to other days markets. And then, you know, uh, things he loves in general about the hobby um, parallels and the whole nine yards. So Scott, uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, if you could, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, maybe how you got into collecting, um, anything you want to share so that people sure. feel for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Nate. It's good to finally get to talk to you a little bit about some stuff. So I grew up um, in Idaho and I collected basketball cards first. I remember my first basketball box ever opened was 2003, 2004 tops. So great product to have oh. your box be, you know. Yeah. I remember it was on Christmas. I got a Carmelo rookie and a Wade rookie, but didn't get the LeBron. But that's okay. I didn't know. I was I was eight years old. So, you know, you're kind of just doing it for the, the love of the hobby at that point. Even if I pulled the LeBron's maybe $5 card, kind of crazy compared to the Zions now. Um, but then I collected really heavily until about 2010 in basketball. Um, I got really back into the hobby about 2014, 2013. Um, and I went back and looked at all the Mike Trout stuff, how that all went nuts. And you could kind of see a pattern in certain things and what would be valuable, whether it's update or certain players specific cards. So I really started to love 2011 and then all the way to 2018 with Soto and Cunha. I really enjoyed that. Um, after 2018 print runs went way up way through the roof. 2019 wasn't too bad, but we've seen 2020 in basketball and, and, baseball as well they've gone crazy but i just enjoy collecting specific players i have a lot of trout a lot of bets a lot of lindor and a lot of arnado and soto so those are the main guys i collect and only rookie cards those are the only things i really have um i'm a rockies fan which yep. one of those you have so well, i have growing up in idaho i'm sure you have to choose you know are you going washington are you going colorado uh for sports fandom you yeah colorado are you a nuggets fan then so i live in utah so i'm a jazz fan um both teams i follow rockies and jazz are really hard to follow because they've always kind of been maybe the jazz in the 90s weren't seller dwellers other than that the rockies have never won a division in their what 20 30 year existence they've always lost to the dodgers but did make world series yeah made the world series 2007 really hot made a world series so in the last few years at least they made the playoffs last year was rough but this year with expanded playoffs they have a chance so it'll be good yeah so i collect mainly rookie cards specifically from those 2011 2018 i know a lot about those years and sets so okay so let's let's jump right in because that's interesting uh you said you know print runs way too high in 2019 2020 for you to be comfortable to invest in so you're looking at you know spending your money um on things you love and guys from 2018 and before which there's obviously tons of good guys juan soto ronald cooney brought up Gleyber Torres, Cody Bellinger, you know, Aaron Judge, all the way on down the list every year. Um, you know, a few good Rocky players in there, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, um, mm-hmm. Charlie Blackman could have made you money already this year, which yeah. is absurd. Um, 
And so I want to get your take a little bit on, you know, you talk about print runs. Well, help those of us that were not around in the 2011s, 2012s, you know, help us understand how ridiculous uh, this market is today compared to when Tops Update Mike Trout came out. Um, what are the main differences you see that make you uncomfortable besides, you know, just print runs for investing now? Yeah, so the first thing, sealed wax. You can really tell the print run increase from the sealed wax. Obviously, pop reports have gone crazy, but that could always just be because people are submitting now versus back then they really didn't submit base cards. But with sealed wax, I watched uh, Jab's family was opening a box of 2011 update a year or two back. You can even go watch it. And I counted up all the parallels that were in the box. So in one hobby box, 36 packs, he had 14 golds out of 2011. 45 cognacs, 45. So that's like more than one a pack. Did he get any regular diamond anniversary? Nine diamond anniversary. Um, he had two cards below 100, numbered below 100. So he had a, a blue, which is like the blue diamond. And then he had the black, which is just, I think, 50 years on top of what the... Well, he got one of the Hope diamonds out of 60. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the black, I think, was 54, 52, something like that. Maybe a little yeah. bit higher. But, and then other than that, he had other inserts, like just like um, inserts of Hall of Famers and stuff. He had 29 of those. Compare it to, then I watched Jab's family again open the 2019 update um, boxes last year. He had three golds compared to 14 golds. He had two rainbow foils compared to 45 cognacs. And he had um, 250 stamp cards compared to nine diamond anniversaries. And only one below 100 card numbered. And you're not guaranteed anything like that anymore. No. And then other inserts, he had eight instead of 29. So it was just, it's just crazy how much it's changed. And that's a really good example of how we got to be careful of all the base cards. Cause that's, what's really gone up all the 2011 to 2019 serial numbered cards. We know exactly how many there are. So it's easy to track and see it really has changed. There's 20% of what was in the parallels of what was in the less than 10 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, if there's 14 in a box, I'm sure the checklists were a little bit smaller. Uh, 14 golds in a box, that means, you know, if they're only putting in three and there's still, you know, there was 2,011 golds of each player. Now there's 2,020 golds of each player. Uh, and there's only three in a box compared to 14. You know, that is five times the amount of boxes, at least probably. Yep. And that's uh, they both have 330 cards. I believe all update sets have 330. Okay. It's even more consistent. It's even easier to see. But yeah. no, it, it's crazy how much it's increased in just, again, nine years. Imagine nine years from now, you're lucky to get one gold per box. Yeah. And and back then, I don't know how much the boxes cost. But today, bucks. what? <laughs> 70 bucks. Yeah, today, definitely 70 bucks. But back then in 2011, Tops Update? Like a box of probably fifty to seventy dollars still. Top really? hobby box now. I bet you twenty twenty is going to be about one sixty to one eighty. Okay, but you're paying that much more for a box that has not much in it, you know? Yeah, I just I I it's it's absurd. It's absurd the prices what they've risen to. I mean, just last summer I was telling you before the video, top series two box, uh, 70, 70, 75 bucks for a maybe eighty bucks for a, a jumbo. Um, yeah. at the shop and like $50 for a non-jumbo um, oh, wow. just, hobby box, uh, just awesome. last, just last summer, you know, and now you fast forward 
Tops Update came out at like $70 a hobby box. And then Top Series 1 came out at $75. And now Top Series 2 from this year is I don't even know because it's a terrible product with only one good guy in it. And I refuse to even look because I don't want to be tempted into buying it just trying to get a Luis uh, Robert. Um, but the prices, the prices of everything have gone insane. And so it's 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 interesting that your take on it is, you know, I'm just going to stay away. I, I know what I enjoy and there's guys I like and I'm going to take that money. I'm going to buy those guys that I like the, you know, everyone likes Mike Trout, but if you got the money to buy a Mike Trout, buy the Mike Trout, um, buy the Trevor stories or whoever you will, uh, George Springer, you know, Carlos Correa, whatever, whatever team, uh, Matt Chapman, um, and stay away from the high market or the highly produced cards of the 2019, 2020s. Um, yeah. That being said, I do think that there is something to be said about the easy moving of those cards that a lot of these appeal to a lot of these people. So in 2011 to 2018, when you were in the hobby, it was hobby guys in the hobby, right? Guys that love cards and were in cards for a long time. Now you're seeing people that enjoyed cards when they were five, six, seven, eight, probably got out of it. And are now having money and getting back in. And not only is it because they enjoy cards somewhat, but they're also, you know, seeing the investing side of it and seeing the lucrative side of it. And I think there's probably something to be said that these base cards, it's the easiest, it's the most liquid thing you have, right? Yeah. You can throw up 70 Pete Alonzo PSA 10s and every single night, all 70 of those will sell for 50, 60, 70 bucks. Yeah. Um, you throw up, 30 Eloy Jimenez PSA 10s and they will sell for a hundred dollars each and every single one. You don't have to worry about them not uh, selling for what you expect. Uh, so I do think you don't, you don't like the trend. And I, th I think the trend is maybe a little bit ridiculous and we'll get into this with the parallels. Um, I do think some people probably look at it and they, you obviously can't compare it to stocks. It's not the same thing, mm -hmm. but if you're trying to get the closest to, a quote unquote stock where you can go and you can buy a thousand shares of Apple instantly. Uh, the easiest way to do that is by buying, you know, 50 Pete Alonzo PSA 10s instantly, which you could probably pretty much do on eBay at any given moment. Um, obviously, you can't do a thousand, but you know, if there's a certain guy you like, the easiest way to get a lot of them is the base card market. Definitely. And that's kind of where you have to prioritize what you're trying to do. If you're more of a short term collector, that's a great way to go. I'm definitely in it for the long term. I like it's a hobby, but obviously I want my cards to appreciate. Uh, no one wants their stuff to be worth less than what they paid. But if you get people like Ryan Braun, I know you're a big Ryan Braun guy. And what, what's his rookie year? 2007. 2007. Same so, year as Troy Tulowitzki. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, they were they were neck and neck for the rookie of the year. And Braun pulled it out, right? Yep. Yep. Might have been on steroids. Nobody knows. <laughs> I'm doing steroids for my team. You know, I, I turn a blind eye. So you have to can get an MVP. So you can't complain too much. Nope. Um, but like, you look at like Ryan Braun. If you're a Ryan Braun collector and you were able to buy 100 Ryan Braun PSA 10 rookies at that time, let's say the market's similar. It was back then. If, like, let's say the market, how it is now is how it was back then. Mm -hmm. Those cards now would not be worth much. Maybe nope. 20 bucks. They would have been worth a couple hundred dollars back then without a doubt if the market was as hot. But 20 years later, 
they're not worth as much. But if you have the rare parallel cards, guys like you are still going to pay a relative premium for those cards. So it's just a way for long-term investments to really help you have a better approach. Like if you have a Mookie Betts black versus 10 Mookie Betts base, I can almost guarantee in 20 years, the black is going to be worth more just because it's so scarce. Yeah, because somebody along the line is going to be like, wow, I loved Mookie Betts. I need that card. Yeah, And they're going to be like, I do not need this base card. I've got 10 of them, but I really, really, really want this Mookie Butts black. And they were 99, 50. Oh, so yeah, the bets, I have one right here. Wait, no, no, no. I was thinking Tops Chrome, Tops Chrome update. That's the Chrome gold 250 90. and the black is 64. 94. This is basic. So the, the, the black Tops update, 64. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you'll be like, I need this, but there's only 64. You're still paying a premium. Yeah. No matter what. And maybe the premium isn't as high as it is today when he's playing, but you're still going to get a significant amount of money. Whereas once a guy stops playing and you see it every year uh, between seasons, Luka Doncic cards are down to 1450 right now. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's what I just saw in a group message. And uh, he stopped playing for a week. Yeah. You know, and his prices have already dropped. And they'll climb back up, and it's probably a good time to buy right now because eventually people will be like, "Oh, wait, the season's starting in two months," and they'll shoot back up to like eighteen hundred bucks, nineteen hundred bucks, whatever it's going to be. Um, but in the long term, if people lose focus so quickly between months, once that guy retires, the time between when he retires and gets into the Hall of Fame, people are going to lose a lot of a Definitely. lot of focus. It's out of sight, out of mind in sports cards. And even yeah. for us, like me and you, it's fun watching Arenado every day. And so for me, I, I usually pay a little bit more of a premium for his cards because I am able to buy a piece of his play, it feels like, in the moment. Mm -hmm. But in the future, I know his cards will probably be less, especially between his retirement and between the Hall of Fame. They'll drop quite a bit because out of sight, out of mind. So like a good card I would consider is the gold parallels. They're essentially the tops version of the prism silver. You know, the gold from tops flagship, we know exactly how many there are. Um, they started, I believe, in 2001 with number to 2001, and they've increased by one every year to match the year. But we know how many of those there are. So it's nice to know. I think there's 2014 Mookie Bets. If I own four of them, you have a pretty good pretty good hold on what you can do. But with the Prism, they've gone up year after year from maybe 400 is what they started, 2012, to what? Seven or eight thousand, probably. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you, you just, all you have to do is go look at the Luca or the Zion pop reports, and that will tell you all you need to know about the silvers nowadays. So I think parallel investing is a really good way to look at it. You can either buy a PSA 10, uh, four PSA 10 Sotos, they're $300 each for 1200, or you can go buy one BGS 95 or even a PSA 10, probably gold for 1400, um, and you're doing really well for a PSA 10. PSA 9 is probably 999. And it's a much better investment for that gold card to me personally. So, um, and uh, another way you could probably get a better investment is it's not the smartest idea. It might not work, but a BGS nine five. Who was I looking at? Now this is bad podcasting because I can't remember. But there was a guy I was looking at today where his BGS nine five was like twelve fifty, fourteen fifty, and his PSA ten was two thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Um. And so it's like, you know, maybe the way to go is trying to get a well-centered BGS 9.5 and trying to cross it over to a PSA 10. Um, and you save you save some money in the meantime, and then you get a really nice numbered card in a better form uh, 
which could pay dividends down the line. Definitely. Uh, so for me, like in the hobby, a BGS historically has been the number one grading company until about 2017. They kind of switched to PSA. It started to trend up. PSA 10 was probably well, the, the whole P PWCC thing happened with BGS. And then it, everyone was kind of like, nope. Yeah. Nope. And plus people like to see the 10, you know, it's just, it's there. It's easy to understand. This is the best grade I can get with yep. BGS 9.5. You have a 10 above it. Um, not all tens are created equal because you have a black label, but things like that. But I collect a lot of BGS still because I can get such good condition cards for such better prices. Yep. And so if I ever wanted to cross them, if I was going to sell them, I could cross. The way you can cross is you can't cross in the case because you're only going to have like a 10 to 20% success rate. It has to be cracked out and resubmitted. And it's probably around 40 to 60% at best 60, around 40% success rate. But still, if you crack, cracked out some PSA 10s, it wouldn't be 100% rate either. So grading is very subjective. And so that's why you have to usually buy the card and not the grade. But if you're looking for a good quality one, just so you know what you have for an investment, I don't think BGS is a horrible way to go personally at all. Yeah. Uh, if it's in a slab and you like the card, buy it. I mean, I'm, I'm of the mind that, you know, PSA 9s, BGS 9s, if it's a guy I like, I'm not too concerned about it. I'll buy that card because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's buy, you said this earlier, buy what you love and you're not going to be too concerned about what happens in the future. If yeah. you're not buying what you love and you just buy, if I said, um, if I said, uh, I, why can't I come up with a name off the, if I said Brendan McKay, Go buy Brendan McKay. Nobody actually go buy Brendan McKay. Do not take this as a buy Brendan <laughs> McKay thing. Uh, but if I said that and somebody went and did it, but they had no idea who Brendan McKay was or why I want him to buy it, uh, and then he went from $5 a card down to $3 a card, they'd instantly sell and they'd be upset. They'd be grumpy because they didn't buy what they loved. They just yeah. bought what they were told to buy, and they'd have no connection to it, no feel for it. So we're definitely of the mind, you know, sometimes if, if, you know, you th really think there's money to be made, then maybe you don't buy what you love, but because you really believe in the player. But most of the time I'm like, yeah, if you really like uh, Luis Perdomo from the Diamondbacks, uh, who's a shortstop in a ball, go buy him, enjoy watching him um, or at least following along with his box scores every day in a ball and double a AA and triple a and watching him grow. And if it works, sweet. If it doesn't work, at least you got to follow along with a kid and watch, you know, even yeah. if his prices didn't go up. So no, I agree 100%. Like, for example, I'm not going to show too many cards yet, but like this is a Trevor story. It's a BGS 9 green refractor. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a rookie great, it's not a great card, um, it's still a really great PC piece and it could be worth something in the future. But because it wasn't a BGS slab, I was able to get it for $10 <laughs> on an auction. You know, if that was a PSA down, it'd probably be around 30 to 40. But there's options like that. If you just like a player, there's nothing wrong with buying a not PSA card, in my opinion. Yeah. And you can't put it It goes down. If it went to $5, I wouldn't care. So I still think it's an awesome card. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we talked a little bit about how the game has changed and how, you know, buying what you love and stuff. So speaking about what you love, you're big into parallels. We've talked about this, you know, the golds, whatever. I want to get your take. You know, for me personally, my favorite parallels is if we're talking about Tops Update, I really love the Independence Days. 
And I really love the camos, but the camos are hard to get. But I just like the looks of them. I know they're not traditional cards. They're not like the blacks, but I don't like the blacks. Uh, uh, the black last uh, in Top Series 1 was numbered uh, 67, something like that. Um, I just think they look kind of boring, whereas the Independence Day, especially the Independence Day from 2018, the Ronald Lacuna Juan Soto, amazing looking. Um, and then like Topps Chrome, I really like refractors. Um, I like the the shine of them. Um, Topps Heritage too. I love refractors there. And then I also like Topps Chrome Reds. But of course, who doesn't? Impossibly <laughs> hard to get Topps Chrome Reds. And then also Topps Chrome Sapphire. I just like the look of them. Um, in general, think they look great. Uh, so why don't you, you know, what are your favorite parallels? I'm, I'm kind of curious as a guy that really likes, you know, is, is uh, you know, big on buying parallels instead of base because in the long term, uh, it should work out better for you, which I agree with. Uh, what are your favorite parallels uh, in these sets and why? So I love the 2018, um, the camp, not the camera, holy cow, the one you Independence Day cards, they're gorgeous, especially yeah. with he's wearing the blue and red jersey so is acuna they look great. no pair not all parallels are created equal um one that i love is the red the target reds the target red 2011 like yeah 2011 to 2014 i believe mm -hmm, 2014 and 2015 they started doing rainbow foils is the first year of those um but i love the target reds they're probably my absolute favorite cards and they usually hold a really high premium because they're the specific card from those years and all of these parallels, all of the tops flagship craze has come from Mike Trout and his year being like in that flagship. If Trout had a tops Chrome rookie flagship, in my opinion, wouldn't be as big at all. Um, it's that would not be the main thing people collect and go after. But I think the reds are gorgeous. I like the Walmart blues too. I have some around I can show later. Um, and I love the golds. If, if you don't know what he's talking about, um, kind of like the Meyer purples right now or Toys R Us purples from a couple of years ago because Toys R Us went out of business and Meyer got the rights to the purples or the Walgreens yellows if you've oh, seen those. Um, if you don't know what Scott's talking about, uh, back between 2011 and 2014, Tops did a thing where Target Red was reds that came out of Target retail and Walmart Blue was blue cards that came out of. Um, and you want to show that Arenado Red again. Um, yeah, so here's blue came from here's uh, Walmart. So there you go. So there's a blue, there's a red, if you didn't know what he's talking about. And that specifically came from 2011 to 2014 in Topps uh, Update and Topps Series 2 and Series 1, maybe. Uh, well, here's, like here's another 2013 back. Emerald. This was like the Rainbow Foil before the Rainbow Foil. Yep. So you got to know what you're buying. These are pretty in high demand because they're good looking. Yep. And that makes a huge difference with the collectors. I have a it's like the uh, top red hot foil uh yeah. in 2014, 2015, 2014, mm -hmm. 2014. Yeah. Like it, it all is about looks, but also the traditional aspect of like gold, blacks, things like that, they really hold up really well over the long term as well. But you don't want to buy like even vintage stocks, they don't go for as much. I have an Acuna vintage stock that I, I bought for three hundred dollars when it was a rookie. Um, at a 99 of his update. And I thought it was going to be a huge card. It's gone up maybe to around 900 bucks, which is great. But I thought yeah. it was going to be a you know, $2,000 card. But I could have bought for $100 more. I remember talking to the guy. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I remember talking to the guy who who pulled the vintage stock. He also pulled a Independence Day. I could have bought that for $400. That card's now worth like three grand. So you have to make sure you're buying the right parallel to that year. 
Yeah. And, you know, I can't blame you. Uh, Independence Days were brand new. And usually people do not like, you know, just like greens do not sell well yep. um, in Topps Chrome. Um, and waves do not sell well and shimmers don't sell well. Uh, you know, I don't blame you for thinking, oh, you know, 76 brand new, though vintage is relatively new too. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they came out in the same year. I should know that because I've just poured through a ton of data when trying to help with our website. Uh, but they were right now quite they, great. I know they were around in 2017. Cause I know that Bellinger has vintage stocks of 20. Okay. So. Um, and actually I think they were around in 20, they were around in 2016 because I remember seeing a, uh, Corey Seager. Yep. stock recently. So at least 2016, whereas Independence Day came out in 2018. So I, 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 I cannot blame you for not making that choice to buy the Independence Day. Still hurts though. You know, and, that's the game. You're going to make tons of mistakes like that. And still it's a great increase. What is that? 300% in a year yeah. or two. But, you know, but that's, we have to collect what you like. I should have bought the Independence Day because I liked it more, but I made a decision and I missed a little bit, but. But well, missed a little bit, but when you're still making money, Nothing's yeah. really a mess. And that's, you know, that's something I try to tell people is that a lot of people, and I just talked to our last guest was Lou Janu, um, one of Gary's guys. And uh, he was saying he likes to sell on call up. Well, sometimes if you sell on call up, if you're not paying attention and you don't get your car listed right away, or, you know, he gets injured before call up and he loses all his value. I'm a big believer in selling when you make money no matter what, it doesn't always need to be a hundred percent profit. It doesn't need to be 200%. doesn't need to be 300% in your case, right? Mm -hmm. If you're making money, you're making money, even if it's 25%, 30%. Oh. Um, and so that, you know, it's a good reminder is that while it seems like a loss because for a hundred dollars more back then you could have turned it into $1,400 more today. The fact that you're still making $600 is a big time win. Yeah. And so just, uh, and you know, a little bit, a little bit preaching to the choir, cause you know, but just reminding people out there that are watching this, that no matter how much you make, if you make some money, it's never a bad thing. Don't look back and look at the car and be like, Oh, I could have had this or that or sold it. Then just move on to the next guy. Cause there's always a next guy. Totally. And that guy, like, for example, Luis Robert, he's awesome. Yep. I think he could be a really big player. And I would be surprised if I do buy a couple of his, even that's not really what I focus on just because, you know, we're collectors. We go to the next thing sometimes when we shouldn't, but um, I would buy only a parallel. I would never buy a base of Robert and pay a premium for a PSA 10, just because there's, there's so many more of those and there's going to be even more an update of his rookie debuts and it just washes it down. So just know what you're buying. And I think that's the biggest thing and make sure what you do buy has some form of scarcity, whether it's a low pop report or actual serial numbered cards. It, it's a really big deal, in my opinion, for long-term plays. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. I will. I, I would say, and just to just to get a little back and forth here, um, you know, Aaron and I at Slab Stocks and Sam, uh, we have a unique perspective on the market because we get a lot of DMs every day yeah. about people uh, joining and being like, "Hey, you know, uh, just got into cards, blah, blah blah. Just got into this, blah blah blah. Been in cards for a month. Been in cards for a year." Um, been in for two years, been in for 10 years, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then we see, you know, the big names that follow us um, where like, uh, I don't want to sound braggy, but there's, you know, certain big names that 
have followed our account in the last couple of months where I'm like, never in my a million years did I ever think that this person with millions of followers on Instagram would ever follow anything that I do in my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those are the people that all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, this is a big person. They have a lot of money and they're getting into cards. Um, and then you get those people on top of just, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people joining that are using me's and uh, all of a sudden a 10,000 pop report for Juan Soto. Not that much if there's a million people in the hobby and, and 30,000 of them want Juan Soto PSA 10s, but there's only 10,000 of them. Yeah. And but, that's then, but then also that means that there's way less parallels. And so, you know, if there's 10,000 updates, but only 2,018 uh, golds, your point still stands where, you know, you buy a parallel and no matter what, you should be fine, even if yeah. the base card craze dies down. But it is something to keep in mind is that with how many people are joining, now there could be something that said that if somebody loses money instantly, they're instantly out. You know, mm -hmm. it could just be a fad for them. But I do think a decent number of people will stick around because it is – it is a cross section between talking about cards are a cross section between talking about sports, um, feeling like you own a piece of the pie in the player and watching him and doing well. And also a little bit of like daily fantasy and a little bit of gambling all wrapped up into one. And especially like the gambling aspect, you know, you buy cards, but you're not losing all that money. If I buy a Ronald Acuna for $300 right now and he does poorly, I'll still probably be able to sell it for 200. Whereas if I put $300 on Ronald Acuna to win something and he doesn't win, all that money's gone. There's definitely a lot of liquidity in those base cards. So if that's what you're trying to do is flip, they're perfect. You know, those PSA 10s. But my concern isn't really like the 2018s, the 2019s, or even the 2020s, but it's just moving forward. You know, how does that yeah, power is it gonna go from here? Account, like grow before people are just priced out or even just why would I pay that much? Or they're just not that supply. And that's the answer no one can answer. And who knows how much Top's planning on increasing print runs or if they're kind of feeling good about it and just going to release more products instead of making more print runs. I don't think that's the case. I think they will raise print runs just because there's money to be made on the flagship stuff. Um, but that's always the tough thing. That's why, like, for me, like, I personally just prefer the scarcity, even if it is artificial scarcity, that is in the parallels because it lets me know that I have a finite amount of the specific card and mm -hmm. That's just kind of where I feel. That's the only reason I like it. But I think for flipping in your short term, even if it's long term, one or two of the player, I think it's great. But if you're doing a 40-year hold, I would definitely go with some sort of parallel. Even look at Ken Griffey's 1989 uh, PSA 10. Those weren't selling for a ton until this last two years. You know, you could buy one of those for 100 bucks, 200 bucks at most. And now they're, I don't know where they're at now, maybe 1500 But until the hobby got hot, they weren't worth a ton. And yeah. that's going to happen again in the future. The hobby will be cyclical in some yeah, way. It's it's like it's literally like everything in life is that people will, you know, be interested in it, lose interest because as humans, I don't know if it's because of social media, which is ironic because we're putting this on social media, um, or if it's how we've been raised in the last uh, 20 years or how we're taught or what. But you know, something happens in the news and you think about it for a day and then you forget about it. And then somebody reminds you like a year later on the anniversary and you're like, oh, yeah, that happened. And then you forget about it. Um, 
and which is which is either bad or good if something really bad happens to you yourself and you're like i just wish people would forget about this well they will in like two weeks and so cards uh likely going to suffer the a similar fate um whether that is a year down the line or five years down the line or 10 years down the line eventually that's going to happen but not everybody's going to fall out of the hobby exactly and so then you sitting on a gold parallel or ronald lacuna much better spot than you sitting on three tops update psa tents yeah and that's why if you do collect who you like even if you are sitting on those three cards or whatever and they aren't worth as much it doesn't hurt as bad because it's just that's the fun of the hobby you collect specific people yep my my random person that i collect that isn't really great is billy butler he is a family <laughs> friend of mine you know country breakfast so <laughs> He's a really good friend of mine, and so I paid prices I shouldn't have for Billy Butler cards. Billy Butler's a friend of yours? Yeah, yeah. He actually – so he, he was an assistant coach on my basketball team. <laughs> so – and he married my sister's best friend. So I, I like, know the guy, you know, so I really like his stuff. <laughs> That's I, amazing. I would pay a relative premium for a black parallel of his 2005 rookie, but I would not pay a premium for his PSA 10 rookie. I actually have one that I bought for a dollar. When Billy Butler at one point was a popular-ish player when he was drafted, because he was a high pick. So well, he was the best player on Kansas City for numbers. Years. Yeah, for three or four years, he was the big yeah. one until Homer came around. Never hit as many home runs as I thought he would, but hey, I, I always say if he played nowadays, he would be like thirty to forty because of the juice ball. But that's just me. And he yeah. played. He played in Kaufman. That doesn't help. You're looking at. You're looking at guys like Tommy Lastella hitting what 16 last year. You know, if Tommy Lastella can hit 16, Billy Butler can definitely hit 30 to 40. Definitely. So, my thing is, I hope I'm not like offending anybody by saying that they're not the best buy for long term. But right now, they're great because you can put a lot of money into it. It's really easy to move it around. But you have to also be aware that they can be easily manipulated. Yeah. Um, the market cap is really small. You know, Mookie Betts has around 2,400 PSA 10 updates right now. And if someone says that's big influence, big following says, I'm collecting Mookie Betts, so should you. This is the card I'm collecting. Those cards, because it is such a small market cap, they'll go up. But yep. if somebody like Warren Buffett, eh, he's a bad example because he actually might have some pull. But even if he says, I'm buying this stock and so should you, it might go up 5 to 10%. You know, maybe a tiny bit more, but the, the Mookie Betts could go up 200% in one yep. day. And, you know, you know any, any, any Joe Blow with a ton of money can also do the same thing without announcing it. You go on to eBay and you say to yourself, man, I really like uh, Trey Turner. Trey Turner's been hot recently. He just hit it like his eighth home run. Um, been doing really well. And you're like, I really like Trey Turner. You go on eBay and you just snap up everything. Yep. You spend a couple thousand bucks. You snap up everything over the course of a week. So that people start raising their prices, you snap it up, raise their prices, snap it up, raise their prices, snap it up. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, Trey Turner's really hot right now. And also, look at these prices. It's gone from $30 a PSA 10 to $50 a PSA 10. In reality, it's one guy. And then he goes on and he starts slowly offloading and people are paying $50 now because that's the going price. But it was just him that buys. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing you got to be careful of is that literally one person with a lot of money can adjust this entire market. Yeah. And the hobby is supposed to be fun, man. That's, that's the thing. Like, that's the main change that's happened is the hobby is still fun to a lot of people. A lot of people are getting back into it. And it's so much fun to see them enjoy their childhood kind of over again. Yep. That's one 
for me is it really pulls me back to that first tops blaster that I opened in 2003, you know, that got me into it. That's the fun of this whole thing. It's not just the money's great and the money will be there and it will be there for a long time in my opinion, but enjoy it. You know, like don't feel bad that you're going to go buy a couple bigger cards with your profits. That's what I do. Anything that I buy to sell, I'll always use it to update to a different card. You know, always go buy a bigger version for my PC and things like that. That's, that's, that's a good rule to live by is that, you know, usually what I do is if I sell cards, I would take the profits. I would take the money I put in, put it back into my bank account, and then take the profits and do something yeah. with it. Like last summer, I bought uh, Topps Chrome Boxes at the National because I love ripping. Got absolutely destroyed until now when I held on to all those cards. And now Eloy PSA 10s are 100 bucks, and uh, Fernando Ortiz PSA 10s are $300. And so if I were to get them graded, uh, you're no longer losing money. Um, which is is uh, absurd, but uh, it's definitely, you know, if you take the money you make and you just put it back into cards, it's really not like you're losing money. Yeah. If you're taking money you're making from your day job and putting them into cards and then it doesn't go well, then it hurts a little bit more. Oh yeah, totally. And you'll be surprised how quick the value of your collection grows. <laughs> I have I have a relatively good collection, nothing like anybody like on instagram there's some massive people on well there. we know a guy we know a guy who is selling uh some cards um won't give any names away or anything but he is selling the tops update mike trout one-on-one diamond nice um which you know is probably going to go for a million bucks Definitely. amongst other absurdly 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 nice cards not million dollar cards, but multiple hundred thousand. Um, and so, you know, you got, I don't know where I was going with that. Making your collection good by buying and selling. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like <laughs> you, 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 you know, you buy and you sell and you could eventually maybe, you know, he didn't spend a million dollars on that Mike Trout. Oh yeah. He bought it, you know, guaranteed not. Um, but he could have probably bought and sold his way up to something like that. And somebody nowadays can buy and sell their way into a Fernando Tatis, you know, black out of 69, 68, whatever the number is. Wow. Um, and then hold on to that for 10 years. And all of a sudden Fernando Tatis is the best player in baseball and almost 30 years old, like Mike Trout is, or Mike Trout did just turn 30. Um, 29. 29. And uh, all of a sudden they're sitting on a card that they spent $300 or well, not $300 anymore. Uh, Two thousand dollars on today, um, you know that card could be at a hundred thousand dollars in ten years, right? Cool. And so that's that's one way to look at it: is buy and sell what you got, take the profits, buy bigger things, and you can eventually get your way into that dream that dream card that you're like, I'll never be able to own that because I'm not a millionaire, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, an example of that for me is I purchased this. Mike Trout, 2011 rookie auto X-Fractor. So it's, it's a pretty high-ish value card. But I have like $300 into it, and I bought and sold, bought and sold, bought and sold until I got up to this card. I eventually paid like $2,000. It took like a year to do, but you can easily do that. And then like you just have to have a good feeling. Follow your gut, not so much people who tell you what to buy, but follow who you think will be good. And usually that leads to really good results. So yep. I can 
Yep. All right, Scott. Um, we're getting a little bit close here on uh, a time limit. Um, not necessarily a strict time limit, but like a man-made time limit because I don't want people to lose interest. Um, so why don't we finish this up? Uh, if you want to share with people your your Instagram handle, if you want them to be able to follow you, I will also put it at the front of the video, talk okay. about it at the end. But if you want to shout it out right now, and then if you just want to show us um, maybe a little bit of your collection, you've been showing it a little bit here and there. Um, but you know, usually I give people a platform to shout something out. But if you want to shout out your cards or whatever, by all means. Sure. So my Instagram is Scotty S C O T T I E underscore the letter B underscore cards. That's it. And my account, all I do is kind of just talk to people about the hobby. I post things I think are cool about the hobby on my story and I just post my collection. Um, but some other cards that I've gotten, I've purchased. This one was with some advice from Aaron from Slab Stocks. This is a Mike Trout. Aaron. Aaron, Aaron, if you're watching this and editing it, shout out you. <laughs> this one I bought for 500 bucks like three years ago when me and Aaron were talking right when Slab Stocks was made maybe two years ago. And we decided this was the best buy, and it's probably a six-ish thousand-dollar card now. Uh, but yeah, big trout guy. Um, majority of the stuff I did buy is serial numbered. So here's the these are outnumbered to ninety-nine. The E tops, they're online exclusives. They're pretty awesome. Um, then I do have this was a Christmas Day poll. I got graded and got a ten, so that was fun. Not a huge card, but fun. You know, this you get a ten in any trout uh, in the future. I imagine people are going to want trout no matter what year it is. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice card. Definitely. And then this is a sterling, one of the most underprinted Mike Trout rookies out there. There are four thousand to five thousand PSA ten updates. There's only hundred and sixteen of these PSA tens. So maybe maybe 117 now if one's been graded since. But I, I went with BGS with this. I have a PSA 10 that I sold um, in order to fund another purchase I'll show in a second. But you know, like I stick with like, this is a refractor number to 549. I make sure I buy the serial numbers, to practice what I preach. But this is the mm -hmm. 2010, his first Angels jersey card to 259. And I have a bunch more, I won't go into those, but. Um, it's definitely a uh, very nice Mike Trout collection that a lot of people, a lot of people would be jealous of. Yeah, I know I'm jealous of the refractor, that's for sure. <laughs> Which I spent $500 two years ago on a Mike Trout refractor. Yeah, people <laughs> will go so I can showcase behind me. What's that? Or I said just to have so I could showcase behind me. Oh, that'd yeah. be nice. And then where's the one? This is the card that I bought with selling the PSA 10 update. I mean, PSA 10 Sterling. I bought a Pujols True Gem Auto plus known steroid user, Albert Pujols. Unknown steroid user. Hall of Famer, right? <laughs> well, so, you know, uh, I'm torn because I watched Albert Pools. I'm pretty sure hit a home run every single time against the Brewers for the better part of my childhood. Um, so uh, I'm a little torn on uh, being able to support that purchase right there. <laughs> but I did with that trout also buy um, – this is from his first All-Star game. Um, no, is that the U? Yeah, that's the U from the trout. Awesome. Um, the R is on – eBay right now and I'm like should I go for the full nameplate? Like, no, I don't want to do that. It'd be hard to do. I'll end up paying a huge premium for that last letter if I even try. So but yeah, so I click a lot of trout, a lot of Mookie bets. Um, you know, just here's a Mookie bets update black chrome nine five. I bought this one raw last month before he blew up. I got lucky and got it graded on a two day and it got a good grade. 
before he had his seventh career uh, three home run game. Yeah, before, I got it right before the season started. I figured mind. I've, I figured him being on the Dodgers would give him a chance to be the second player ever to win an MVP in the NL and AL. The other one was Frank Robinson. So I thought he has a chance to make history, and he might this year. Top piece is looking pretty good. It's going to be it. It is going to be almost impossible as long as Tatis just keeps it up. Totally. Uh, destroy that to destroy Tatis's narrative. Voters okay. generally voters generally vote narrative more than they vote uh how they should. And yeah. so Tatis probably deserve you know deserves the vote too. But with the narrative he has of the Padres um having been terrible and him leading them to the playoffs and then him also being the brightest young star and being uh, a personality in the game, I almost guarantee they have to give him the MVP. I agree. If they have similar numbers, Tatis will win it. He's he's the most fun player probably since Griffey. You know, yep. actual dynamic. Last two cards I'll show. Um, these are just a couple that I bought for cheap. Um, cognac? I, yeah, this is a cognac. Oh, this one. That's the gold. There we go. Sorry, on camera. Yeah, this is a cognac. There was 45 of these in that one hobby box, which is insane. If you bought three hobby boxes. Not, not necessarily 45 trouts for everyone listening. But 45, 45 of cognac the, variations. Of the 330 players in the set so i guess for me i just i just buy what i enjoy if i do buy a base card like here's a bgs 10 i prefer bgs 10 because there's only 30 bgs 10 movies yeah, it's definitely harder to get a 10 than it is a 9.5 or a psa 10 yeah that's that's kind of what i collect so but if you want to check out more of my collection i'll be posting more all the time just scotty underscore b underscore cards if you ever want to check it out so all right well scott uh, thank you for sharing your views on the 2010 to 2018 market compared to today and your views on parallels and, you know, what to buy. I think it's always a good time to get people to take, you know, I always share a lot of my views, um, more specifically on players and yeah. how to gauge players instead of cards. But I do share some views on cards also. And I think it's a really good thing for people to get more than just my view um, so that, you know, I'm not always going to be right. And if you take other people's views and, you know, combine them, uh, you can kind of get a good feel for the market than just listening to me every day. So that's why we're having people on. So, Scott, thank you for coming on and sharing your views about the market. I really appreciate you joining. I hope everyone else appreciated this. Um, and uh, any last words? Nope. I may be completely wrong. That's the thing about the market. We never know what's going to happen. If we knew that 2012 Prism would be so valuable, we'd buy that. So yep. I guess just do what you enjoy. If you collect, love the PSA 10s, do that. But this is just kind of how I feel things may ride out. So, yep. I agree. And, you know, at the end of the day, all you can do is, you know, let people know how you feel and they will decide for themselves. True. So I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it, man.